Oh, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Welcome to today's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. Every one of our listeners in the United States of America, I bid you a hearty greeting today. Welcome to the program and to every one of our listeners in other countries around the world. What an honor it is to have you join us. I want to send a special welcome out to everyone who's joining us on Marriage and Family Clinic today. In Southern Virginia, you can find us on WGPL 1350 AM, WPCE 1400 AM. And that's uh, and also WBXB 100.1 on your FM dial. And you can also listen to the live stream at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. And if you would like to hear this or any other segment or any other broadcast in the uh, in our show's repertoire, you can always find the podcast by searching Bishop C.D. Hodges. Just search Bishop C.D. Hodges on iTunes or Spotify. And uh, if you have a smart device, you can find that little purple podcast player that's iTunes. Search that, Bishop C.D. Hodges. You'll find Marriage and Family Clinic there. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We hope to help you identify what makes you tick. And ultimately, we really, truly want to help you repair, grow, and perfect your marriage and your family relationships. All right, so let's get going with today's program. First of all, first of all, I, I just want to take you back to last week's program. I had my good friend, my brother, Elder Dr. Nicholas Anthony, uh, uh, a school-trained uh, doctor of psychology and elder in our church, and that's Cathedral of Faith Church of God in Christ. He joined me, and we talked about how people seemingly desire to skate around responsibility. Uh, whenever folks get in trouble or whenever they get into a hard place between a rock and a hard place, especially young people, but it's not reserved to young people only. This is a problem. This is a nuance amongst young and old. Uh, we have a way of skirting around trouble or skirting around touchy situations because number one, we fear the consequences. We fear consequences. And so we do things naturally speaking to escape those consequences. And that's why you never have to teach a child to lie. Your child will learn to lie if you never teach them nothing. Why? Because they're going, there's something inside them that says there is a difference between right and wrong. And when they feel like they're going to be called on their wrong, uh, their self-preservation instincts are going to rise up and they will lie. They're going to do it every time. So you have to train uh, these negative vices out of your children. We have to train them and we have to teach our children. And I'm going somewhere with this today. We have to teach our children. We have to start young teaching our children to accept responsibility for their actions and their decisions. And I want to share something with you. I'm, I'm trying my best to get to talk about marriage tonight. I'm going to talk about how we get into some of these arguments that we get into. But first of all, I want to make this absolutely plain. Uh, uh, you, you have to train these negative vices out of your children. You, as well as train good vices or good practices and habits into your children, you have to train the negative ones out. 
And you know, and we ought to ask ourselves the question, why is a young man 35 years old living in his mom and dad's basement, eating Yahoo's and Lunchables all day with no job on the computer? And he would cuss you out nearly if you decided that it's time for him to go. Where is his sense of responsibility? Oh my goodness, I hope I get to this marriage issue here. But you know, we, we cannot capitulate to the thought or the notion that we have absolutely no control in our environment. We cannot capitulate to that. We cannot give in to that. We cannot just sit back and let things happen to us. We need that something that God put on the inside of us. We need that to rise up and we need that to push us and to motivate us. And I want you to hear me say something here. One way to develop motivation in your child and motivation is the inner drive to accomplish something, the inner drive to go forth and do something. And people who sit, who live in the basement doing nothing, people who refuse to hold a job, not that they cannot hold a job, people who refuse to hold a job, they lack motivation. They lack an internal drive. They lack that something on the inside that tells them, man, woman, you need to get up from here and you need to accomplish something. You need to take care of business. They lack that. They lack it. And so one way to ensure that your child receives motivation is you start early. You want to raise a motivated child? You start early by, number one, holding them accountable. And number two, setting expectations for them explaining those expectations, rewards when they meet those expectations, consequences when they fail to meet those expectations. Oh, I believe I'm talking to somebody right now. And this is what a lot of people have missed. As we talked about, I, I, I'm going to try my best to get to the marriage topic tonight, but this is just on me right now. As Dr. Anthony and I talked about uh, this particular subject on last week, I told you how they did my job working for the Department of the Navy. I'm an assistant inspector general. And people oftentimes will submit a complaint to my office and I'll read it. And when they write their complaint out, it sounds so reasonable. They'll say my commanding officer, my supervisor, my staff non-commissioned officer in charge, my leading petty officer, whoever it is over me, they can write a case on that paper that sounds so plain. It sounds so reasonable. I mean, the sequence is there. The timeline is there. Uh, they'll write and they will allege that somebody over me is doing me wrong because I participated in something or I said something or I filed a complaint or I did something else. We call that reprisal. But somebody over me is taking an unfair action on me because I said something. Somebody over me is withholding some fair action from me because I said something. And I can tell you they can lay it out. I mean they can lay it out. But then when I began to investigate it, when I began to pull back the layers of the onion, when I began to dig into the situation, I began to find out 
that in addition to this individual writing down a nicely sequenced complaint that would make perfectly good sense if you did not have any additional information, in addition to that, I peeled back the layers of the onion and I began to find out that this young man or this young woman, they have a pattern of being late to work. They have a pattern of mouthing off. They have a pattern of not doing their work assignments. They have a pattern. I'm not saying once or twice. I'm saying to you, they have a pattern. They have a pattern of coming to work late. They have a pattern of failing to accept responsibility for their actions and their conduct. And I wonder if that sounds familiar to anybody. I wonder if it sounds familiar to you. When you look back at your life, when you look at your station and your lot in life, if you have not attained the stature or the place that you desire to, who's really responsible for that? Who is really responsible for that? Are you going to be like those young men and those young women who take the time to uh, uh, apply all of their intelligence to writing a, a nice, logical, perfectly sequenced complaint that has absolutely no basis, no factual basis, and submit it to my office only to have me investigate it and tell them that they're out to lunch? Or will you be the one who will look in the mirror and ask yourself the tough questions? Will you look in the mirror and ask yourself the tough questions like, why am I really in the place that I am in? Why have I not attained my dream? Why have I not reached my goal? Or will we keep blaming everybody else? Will we blame the man? You know, and, and this is not a racial thing. Uh, uh, everybody blames somebody. Everybody blames somebody for not attaining their goal, for not achieving what they set out to achieve. But will you be the one, will you be the one who will step up to the plate and say, you know what? I didn't get it. I didn't get the job. I didn't get the promotion. It's not because they don't like me. It's because I didn't prepare. It's because I did not prepare. All right. And, and some of us, and I want to talk to us, I want to talk to us in the Christian faith for a moment, especially our modern day 20th and 21st century uh, Pentecostalism, Neo-Pentecostalism, charismatic movement. I want to talk to us for just a moment. We believe, we believe that we can simply spout off axioms and make confessions and promotions will come to us and more money will come to us and we will climb ladders and we will attain success. We believe that we can simply rise in the morning and make a confession. Make the confession consistently over a period of time. Make the confession and really believe it. Be convicted about the confession and add a couple of scriptures in there. Too many of us believe that if we add a couple of scriptures, that will even, that will convince God even more to give us what it is we ask for. We believe that we can go to the mailbox and just put our hands on the mailbox and say, money coming to me now. 
We believe that we can go our bank, go to the bank and just lay our hands on the bank door and say, money cometh to me now. Come money, come money. We believe that we believe this nonsense that we can actually command money to come to us. We believe this nonsense that we can actually command the good in the universe to come to us without any preparation and without any work. Oh my goodness. You have to prepare yourself and you have to work and this is why so many of our young people are leaving the church. This is why so many people are leaving the church, period. Because we're teaching this nonsense. You have creative words. You have creative power in your words. I hope I don't offend anybody and I may rouse somebody up. But you have no creative power in your words. God has given you gifts talents, knowledge, skills, and abilities. And God expects you to put those gifts, talents, knowledge, skills, and abilities, put them to work, develop them, nurture them, exercise them, exercise them to the max at whatever level you are. And when you're done with that level, then it will be time to move on to the next level. But you know there's a job, you know there's a promotion coming up on your job. And instead of learning your job, instead of investigating and exploring what, what goes into the next job, the next level up, instead of practicing that job, instead of learning about your organization, instead of preparing for the interview, you sit there eating, watching television, and saying to yourself, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. I speak it. 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 And then when it does not take place, we start cursing the devil. We'll start cursing the devil when those things do not come to pass that we have confessed. The devil is out to get me. The devil is on my track. The devil got in the way. The devil, let me, let me ask you something. How in the world is the devil going to stop God from giving you what God wants you to have? Now, I do not minimize the power of the devil. And believe you me, I do believe in Satan. I do believe that he, I believe he's a pretty powerful being, to be honest with you. I believe he's a pretty powerful being, but I believe anymore I believe even more that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's something about Jesus living on the inside of me that gives me power over anything my satanic enemy tries to pull against me. So instead of cursing Satan, instead of rebuking Satan, you need to look in the mirror and be honest with yourself and ask yourself, did you prepare for your opportunity? Did you prepare? You know, a few weeks ago, I was looking at the uh, uh, job board. Uh, those of us who work for the government, United States government, we know that we can find open jobs on a website called USA Jobs. And I was looking at USA Jobs. 
and there was a job open in my field with a promotion in a place that I would like to be, in a place that I think God's calling me to. But I did not say, oh God, there it is. I speak it. I speak it into existence. It's mine. I claim it. I name it. I'm going to walk around this announcement seven times and I'm going to claim it. I'm going to name it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to receive it. Oh, I did not do that. I did not carry on that way. When I saw that announcement, and these announcements will only be on that job board for a certain length of time. And if you don't apply for those jobs while they're open, you lose that opportunity. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. I want to finish this thought first. Though. When I saw that uh, limited opening, that limited time that that job was going to be open, you know what I did? I looked at that announcement. I studied that announcement and I came home and I prepared my resume. I prepared my resume I read over all the requirements. I ensured that I had every piece of paperwork, every document that that announcement required. I ensured that I uploaded those into the computer. I ensured it tried my patience when I was doing it also. But I had to be patient enough to fulfill the requirements to meet that opportunity. So I got my job application in there, got that resume in there. I studied for that job. I studied the organization that I was applying to. I said, I'm helping somebody. You ought to write me and let me know that I'm helping you. Write me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Inbox me on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges, because I believe I'm helping somebody right here. I studied the organization that I was applying to. I looked them up in Washington, D.C., all over the world. I studied how to speak the language of that organization. In other words, all of that means that I was preparing, not sitting back on my duff saying the job is mine. I speak it into existence. I name it and claim it. I blab it and grab it. I call and haul it. I didn't go there. I didn't go there. I did my part. I'm trained up. I filled out the resume. I applied for the job. And then I prayed, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. And guess what? That was a couple of weeks ago. My, my application was received. And just yesterday, I interviewed for the job. Just yesterday, I interviewed for the job. And I'm not boasting, I'm not tooting my own horn or anything like that. But I believe that I did quite well in the interview. I am very confident that the interview went quite well. What am I saying to you? I'm saying that I took responsibility. I decided within myself that if I do what I am able to do, if I do what God has created me to do, equipped me to do, prepared me to do, if I do those things, then God will help me. He will help me. All right? 
So what I'm saying to you is I didn't I didn't look at that promotion and say, well, they already have somebody else in mind. Ain't no need of me applying for it. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. I believe, let me say this one more time. Psalms 139 said, we are wonderfully and beautifully made. God has made us wonderfully and beautifully. God took the time, God took the time to fashion you and assemble your gifts, your talents, your knowledge, your skills, and ability. And this is what God says in Deuteronomy 8. Remember the Lord your God. It is he who have given you power to get wealth. It's not necessarily true that God gives us wealth. But the scripture says in Deuteronomy 8 that God has given us the power to get wealth. What do you mean the power to get wealth? Well, moms and dads, by training our children to accept responsibility, by holding them accountable, by training them to be disciplined individuals, by teaching them skills, by not allowing the television to raise them, by giving them the time and the attention they deserve, by loving them the way that they deserve to be loved as young folks. This is how you start off at a young age, at a very young age. This is how you start off training your child. And you nurture the knowledge, skills, abilities, gifts, and talents that God has placed in them. We oftentimes quote uh, 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 Proverbs 22 and 6, uh, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, I believe that verse is speaking primarily to parents. And so God would say it this way, hey, parents, mom and dad, train up your child in the way that he should go. There is something implied. There is something inferred there. There is a tacit understanding there. The tacit understanding is that mom and dad, you know the way that your child should go. The only way that you could train your child in the way that he should go is you got to know the way that he should go. Well, how do you learn? How do you find out the way that he should go? Well, you've got to study your child. You got to study your child. You know, I made the mistake of believing when my wife and I had sons, I made the mistake of believing that each successive son, we would be able to raise him the same way that we raised the one prior to him. Big mistake, big mistake. Your children come in here with some things written in their hearts and written in their minds. Oh, they come in here a blank slate. You're going to make the biggest difference in the world. You are the most authoritative figure in that child's life, mom and dad. They come in here with some things written in their hearts. They come in here with some things written in their minds. But you're and you're going to make the biggest difference by how you train them. They come in here with predispositions. They come in here, as I've said, I'm saying this again. I'll say it again and again. They come in here with certain talents, gifts, knowledge, skills and abilities. Some people are naturally creative. Some people are naturally uh, gifted in mathematics. Some people are naturally logic. Some people are naturally analytical. My granddaughter is seven years old and she can tell a story like she's James Weldon Johnson or Mark Twain. That's her gifting. So guess what, mom and dad? I'm speaking to my son and my daughter right here uh, uh, down in Texas. Guess what? You got to train her up in the way that she should go. Train my baby up in the way that she should go.
All right. If you want to hear some more of that, you should go back and listen to that segment I did where I interviewed my grandchildren. Oh, such a lovely segment. It was really lovely. If you want to hear that again, you can listen to that. Just search the podcast on iTunes and just look a marriage and family clinic and look for grandchildren interview. All right. Take the responsibility for preparing yourself. Take the responsibility for training yourself. Take the responsibility for knowledging, uh, 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 nurturing, excuse me. Take the responsibility, take the initiative for nurturing your gifts, talents, knowledge, skills, and abilities. Read on your own. Even if you don't go to a formal classroom, read on your own, listen on your own. And learn, get prepared, and do the work that's necessary to go to the next level. A minute ago, a little while ago, I spoke to you about the opportunity. Those, uh, I told you we look for those jobs on USA Jobs. They're only going to be there for a few days. That opportunity is only going to be there for a few days. All right. And listen, here's something. I want you to get this right here. Every opportunity has a lifespan. An opportunity doesn't live forever. An opportunity does not wait on you forever. Has anybody under the sound of my voice ever missed an opportunity? Have you ever seen an opportunity fly by you and say, oh, I missed it. I didn't do something in time. I didn't do something that I should have done. I didn't do something that would help me satisfy what was required to take advantage of that opportunity. Every opportunity has a lifetime and you have to prepare yourself and be ready for that opportunity because some of them, you you may just happen to catch them. And even when I saw that job, even when I saw that job posted in USA Jobs, I just happened to be looking in USA Jobs and there it was. And by the time I found it, there was only three, four, five days left in the life of that opportunity. So I had to come home and prepare a resume really quickly. So because I'm used to that, I'm taking responsibility for my own career. Guess what? I have multiple resumes on my computer that I can submit with minimal adjustments. I know my field of work. I know my profession. And I have multiple uh, 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 applications. I have multiple resumes. Then I can adjust in minor ways to suit this particular application. And I can apply for that opportunity. I can put myself in the running for that opportunity. There's no need to me sitting back crying. They only left that job open for a week. Well, I have to continue to check the job board and I have to be ready for that opportunity when it shows itself. My brothers and my sisters, listen, I'm trying to tell you, you got to be ready for opportunity when it knocks on your door. You must be ready. My brothers and my sisters, I want to encourage you to know that you can make a difference in your environment. In the study of psychology, there's this thing called locus of control. In layman's terms, that that really means, that literally means, how do I feel about my ability to affect my environment? How do I feel about my ability to adjust things in my environment? So people with a good sense of locus of control, they believe that they can make a difference. 
People without this sense of locus of control, they believe that they're just at the whims, they're just at the mercy of their environment. I wish I had time to talk about it, but I see that a lot in race relations. I see that a lot in business. I see that a lot in the professional world. <laughs> People who believe that they cannot impact their environment, that they are at the whim of whatever wind blows. And that is so untrue. That is so untrue. I wish you would grab a hold to this truth right here. If you're waiting on something good to happen to you, if you seem like, if you think, if you are of the opinion that everything good that you desire continues to pass you by, I'm challenging you. I'm strongly encouraging you, but I am challenging you to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what have I done to make sure that I'm ready for my opportunity? Do you even know what your uh, uh, talents, gifts, knowledge, skills, and abilities are? What are you doing to perfect those? What are you doing to nurture those? What are you doing to increase and enhance your skills, your abilities in those areas? What are you doing? Or are you just sitting back waiting? Even if you can't afford college, man, you can find almost anything on YouTube. You can find a lesson on anything on YouTube. There are college courses offered free on YouTube. There is no reason not to do better. So whoever you are, man, I did not get to talk about, I was going to talk about marriage uh, uh, this evening, but I got started on this particular subject and I got carried away and now my time is up and I've got to get out of here. But listen, I surely appreciate you. I hope I said something to encourage you. Again, let me know. Email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com or, or you can inbox me on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. And if you want to hear this again, just go find my podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Search the podcast players for Bishop C.D. Hodges. You'll find us there. Hey, listen, again, I'm honored to have you. I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate you joining us here on Marriage and Family Clinic. And I want to leave you with this. Always remember that you cannot have peace unless you surrender your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out.